Trump, Lindsey Graham, and the MAGA maniacs are calling for riots if Trump is indicted for stealing national secrets from the government. Biden, meanwhile, is ripping MAGA Republicans, calling them out as fascists as Biden and the Democrats are delivering for the people. Just common sense policies that help American people each and every day. And so it's no surprise, to Midas Mighty at least, that Biden and the Democrats are rising in the polls. Fighting for people's rights actually is very popular as Republicans are not just fighting against the rights of people, fighting to take away the rights of Americans, but supporting some of the weirdest fascist cosplay, most extreme ideology that we've seen. And that's coming out in the polling. Oh, and how can I forget our guest today, the current attorney general of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and the Democratic nominee for governor of Pennsylvania, Josh Shapiro. Ben Breton Jordy joining you here on the Midas Touch podcast. I mean, where do we start? Do we start with there's uh, just the so much, that- Ben. There's just so much. I don't, I, I, I don't even know. You know what was pissing me off, too, when I was watching MSNBC the other day? We did our show, and we started speaking about how Biden is improving in the polls. And we were like, hell yeah, this is good. We got the momentum. This is great. Look at the shifts in the midterms. And I turn on MSNBC, which I think is going to be like good reporting on it, too. I mean, they're, they're generally, I, I thought, seemed to be good. And the reporting was Biden's, Biden's sluggish polls. Will this impact the Democrats in the midterms? I was like, I was like, the, this guy's poll numbers right now are like as high or higher than any of his predecessors, basically like except for George W. Bush after 9-11 at this time. That's how good President Biden is doing. And it's reflecting in the poll. So why isn't that being reported on? But that's why we're here to deliver you the truth. And it's good to be here with the brothers. It's such Jordy, a it's headline always- grabbing. It's, uh, that's such a great anecdote, Brett, because it's such a headline grabbing mainstream media thing that they do. And it's just it's disgusting. And that's what you won't see here on the Midas Media Network. I we're just, just find myself rolling my eyes constantly as I turn this stuff on. But, you know, the good thing is people are seeing through it like people are seeing the real effects of it and i've been traveling a little i'm in new york right now and everybody i speak to is like amped up everybody i speak to is like excited and feels like the democrats are actually on their side they're hitting their stride they're doing stuff for them people are excited to see justice for trump so yeah ben we got a lot to talk about and a lot to be really excited about yeah just putting some specifics behind that brett biden's poll numbers are rising fast 45% from a uh, CBS YouGov poll, 44% from the Gallup poll. Um, and here's the thing, Brett, too, because if you if you go and dig into it like a little deeper, you know, you have, for example, like Joe Scarborough, who an individual like reporter will tweet out the fact, right? Scarborough's tweet is exactly what you said. If you go back 50 years, Joe Biden's numbers are actually higher than all of his predecessors at this point or the same other than George H.W. Bush after the Gulf War and George W. Bush after 9-11. But who's ever writing the copy for these networks, it's that they buy into the radical right extreme narratives and they get so lazy and sloppy. And it's like, OK, well, Biden sluggish. 
Biden sluggish. Let's just plug that in. And it's like, no, you have to think critically here about the bigger picture, about what's going on. It's not sluggish at all. Democrats have the momentum in every one of these races that we've seen. Democrats have overperformed and. You know, people act shocked because the media reports the reporting so bad when there are these, you know, votes like in Kansas, right, where they voted against a constitutional amendment, which would take away a woman's right to choose in Kansas. They actually had in their constitution an amendment protecting it. The radical right extremists wanted that constitutional right revoked. And the citizens of Kansas came out in record numbers, like beyond like any other voting block in the history of Kansas and voted to preserve the constitutional right to choose. And then it's almost reported as like a shock, shock waves, you know, and it's if you actually follow what's going on in America right now and you're speaking to real people and you're talking to their, you know, that Americans are saying these radical Republicans, these extremists who don't stand for anything, by the way, I mean, I, I, I genuine other than their cultish devotion to Trump and their constant gaslighting and lies to support his criminality. So right. And taking away the rights of people and making up fake labels to take away the rights of people like you had Boebert lesbian dance theory. That's their new one here. Play this clip of Lauren Boebert talking about how Biden's plan to actually help students help 75 85 percent of this bill like helps Americans who are making seventy five thousand dollars or less. And it caps the uh, amount of debt relief at ten thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars for Pell Grants. But it's a very limited and targeted uh, loan forgiveness plan that Biden has for those taking out student loans. But this is how the Republicans take it. So not seriously. Play this clip of Lauren Boeber. Uh, how the heck can Joe Biden call America first conservative? a threat to democracy with a straight face and a dry diaper. He's the one who has allowed millions to invade our southern border. He's the one who is robbing hardworking Americans to pay for Karen's daughter's degree in lesbian dance theory. You know, Breton, there was one Twitter commentator who goes, as soon as Lauren Boebert said lesbian dance theory, you know, Governor DeSantis was out there coming up with the legislation to ban lesbian dance theory. It's so good. And you saw this is like the weird thing about the Republican uh, offensive right now against the student debt relief. Their thing is to mock students and to mock hardworking Americans. And I just don't think it's going to work out for them the way they think it's going to work out for them. Ted Cruz on his podcast, because all these politicians, they're just podcasters like I'm a podcaster. I don't want our politicians to well, be because they get kicked off all the committees so they they don't have anything to do with their time so ted cruz on his podcast you know you think oh lauren bobert look at this kook ted cruz is just as crazy lindsey graham who we'll get to in a bit they're all they're all the same level of authoritarian fascist weirdo cosplay jackass and ted cruz goes on his show and he basically calls not basically he does he calls hardworking americans who are getting student debt relief he calls them lazy he says they need to get off the couch and put stop hitting the bong and get to work you have marco rubio going out there let's play this clip of Marco Rubio, the most pathetic U.S. senator, maybe in the history of the United States, saying, oh, you know what? If you want to uh, get rid of your debt, just do what I did. Become a senator. When I became a senator, I got one hundred thousand dollars for my book deal and I was able to pay off my debt. Let's play this clip. So I owed over one hundred thousand dollars in student loans. The day I got elected to the Senate, I had over one hundred thousand dollars still in student loans. 
that I was able to pay off because I wrote a book and from that money I was able to pay it. If not, it would never, I'd still be paying it, okay? So see that everybody, see that Americans, all you gotta do if you wanna pay off your debt, you don't need student debt relief. The Republicans have a plan for you. They have a plan and it didn't take two weeks like the healthcare plan. They just came up with a quick plan. All you have to do is become a United States Senator, then get a lucrative book deal and then you could pay off the $100,000 in loans that you owe. That's it, isn't that easy everybody? This is not the most out of touch thing on the planet, guys. And the, and the American people overwhelmingly are seeing right through this stuff. I, I, I mean, we, we've said it on the podcast now quite a few times. And honestly, it's becoming a good mantra for us. It, it, it's stability over stupidity. They are intentionally self-harming their entire party in the name of sound bites. Well, in the name of Trump as the reality. And they have to speak in sound bites because they don't actually have any deeper policy. And their sound bites are things now like defund the FBI, lock up Dr. Fauci. And no matter what your view is right about the FBI, and I think that we all should view in general law enforcement with a degree of skepticism. There's nothing wrong with saying, oh, we should always trust 100 percent law enforcement. But when you break it down, you go defund the FBI. Trump appointed the FBI director, Christopher Wray. It's Trump's guy. It's Trump's FBI director. It bursts that soundbite really easily, Jordy. And when you talk about, you know, lock up Dr. Fauci, you know, I think Americans, you know, can have you know, and this is where I think we could have respectful debates about should the government be the one who actually mandates a vaccine versus testing and what that policy looks like. And should the government take adverse actions against businesses? I think there's some fair debates and, and conversations to have. At the end of the day, the government had to do that because these radical right fascists pretended that the pandemic was fake. They pretended that this thing killing millions of people was not a real thing. So it was like, come on, people, you're not going to just recognize the pandemic is real and action had to be taken to help people. But we could have debates, right? And, but and, the ben, becomes, and Ben, it was also let's be upfront about it. It was also to deflect from Donald Trump's utter and complete catastrophic failure to contain the pandemic. So they needed a scapegoat. So who's the scapegoat here? Oh, it's Dr. Fauci. It's not the guy who's telling us to inject bleach. It's not the guy who told us, oh, you got to take hydroxychloroquine and these horse medicine and all this other crazy stuff. No, it's the guy who's telling you to actually follow the guidance that you are rejecting and you are dying and your family members are dying because you're not listening to this man. But he's the guy who you should harness your anger against. And it's we need to lock Dr. Fauci. You need to arrest him and th imprison that man. That's who the radical right extremist says. Imprison that man. And then they pretend that the pandemic to this day, even with the numbers, like you would think that after more than a million people in America died from this, you would say, you know what? That was a very serious pandemic that caused a great deal of travesty. And if you still talk to them, they go, oh, that's like less than the flu. And it's like, you know, and and parents, which is inaccurate, go, by the way, by a high magnitude. I, I would hope that the tone that I used there Brett, was demonstrative. Just making of, sure before we get a comment, you know, <laughs> I was doing the Republican voice. I, I don't think that was a that was a difficult stretch. Oh, I was I, I didn't realize you switched to your Republican voice.
I was saying that the Republicans are the ones out there saying these ridiculous things. It should be a foregone. My whole premise is that what they're saying is false and absurd. Right, um, right. You want to talk about the you know issues over education. The Republicans are the ones fighting against making college more affordable, too. Right. I mean, one of the points that we should never forget about this debate is that Democrats are out there with policies to make colleges cheaper and more accessible for Americans and Republicans fight that. And then they fight any type of debt relief based on the problems and solutions that they create. And then the overall hypocrisy is when you delve down into it, the radical right extremist Republicans, these individuals took out not ten thousand dollars right in debt that they want forgiven right not twenty thousand we're talking about hundreds and thousands of dollars in ppp loans that these republicans rush to have in some cases millions millions of dollars millions not ten thousand not twenty thousand as their politicians like what what are you doing? Like you're supposed to be the you're supposed to be a, a Congress member. Like why are you out there, you know, taking out millions of dollars of PPP loans, you radical right Republicans? And then you have the audacity to criticize uh, Americans, most of which this is benefiting people who make less than seventy five thousand dollars. And the distribution, if you look at who it's actually helping. Like it helps everybody. It's helping older Americans. It's helping, you know, Americans who are in their 30s and 40s. It's helping younger Americans. It's not there's no such thing as lesbian dance theory. And it's like, let's get serious on what these issues are versus the fake labeling of things. And then this clownish Mr. Potato Head style Republican debate. It's just, as you said, Jordy, stupid. And Jordy, what I like and I want to get your take on it, that not only is Biden and the Democrats passing the policies that help the people, right? We could talk about the Inflation Reduction Act. Chips we could talk Act. about Pat the PAD Act. Act. Chips uh, Act. You know, we, could, we can go down the list of ways Democrats are fighting for the people. But remember, there's that uh, there's that scene in Braveheart. I always talk about it. And I always get it mixed up a little bit if he's saying, hold or wait for it. Wait you for o- it. You always, you always talk about Braveheart. Ben thinks about this a lot. Ben thinks about this a lot. never heard you talk yeah. about Braveheart on the podcast once we've been doing this for two and a half years. But go on. Okay, so Brett knows what I'm talking about. So, you know, they go, hold, hold, wait for it as the other army's charging. And then uh, the Braveheart guy, he's got his army. It's a much smaller army as as the bigger army's approaching. And so they've got all of their like spikes and they're all getting nervous. Right. But they realize that if they kind of prematurely start attacking, the bigger army is going to knock him down. So he's going, hold wait for it and then once the course is charged then it goes now and then they all put their spikes up and then boom and then it was like a perfect defense so what my point here is is that the democrats were wait for it hold okay they didn't want to put too much energy out there at first in terms of the the messaging followed the policy right it wasn't sound bites it was let's get this done let's put our heads down let's do the work let the work speak for, for it. itself. Wait, Wait for, for it. it. And now Attack. and now and then and now you have the Chips Act. Now you have the PAX Act. Now you have the expansion of NATO. Now you have the American Rescue Plan. Now you have, now you have, now you have. And now the Republicans don't have a fucking platform to run on because the Biden administration keeps delivering. And when, and my point is, though, is that now the Democrats are unleashing the messaging. Jordan. That was the ultimate point that I wanted to make with this whole thing. Yeah. And so Biden, if you saw 
was in Maryland the other day um, and he was in a high school in Rockville in Montgomery County. And he was out there just calling Republicans fascists. It was unbelievable. You know, and he was saying, I got, he said, he goes, I've got no respect. That's <laughs> what he says. He goes, I have no respect for MAGA Republicans. What a badass thing to say. Good for him. And then no, he that's went on a Brandon stand. Unleashed right there. And he just, yeah, yeah. And I'm just telling you, in this speech, he said, I got no respect for these people. And who's how like how how incredible is that that a president says that? Like that's some ruthless stuff. And then he goes and lists the, the litany of things and he says that he thinks that this is the death knell for MAGA Republicans and that we have all these democratic policies. American people are waking up and we're fighting for the people. I thought it was an unbelievable speech that he gave in Montgomery. I I thought he was on fire. He's fantastic. I mean, he's got this new energy about him right now, and it's great to see. And I think, you know, people are are seeing it as well. Did you see the one, Brett, when the White House lawn the next day after Montgomery, when he was asked about the criticism from these radical right extremists who were saying why the government should forgive these loans as due to debt? And he was saying, what's what's her name? I I forget that lady. Play that clip. So good. good. And I found it absolutely fascinating that some of the folks who were talking about this is big spending are the same people that got $158,000 in PPP money, including the, what's her name, that woman who believes in the few, anyway, a whole lot of Republicans uh, got a lot of money. The very people criticize. Yeah, and it's obviously talking about Marjorie Taylor Greene here. It's great to just demean her. Like, like we've said for so long, like these kind of these fascist Republicans, these MAGA Republicans, you just need to treat them like the dirt they are and you need to mock them so ruthlessly <laughs> all the time. Just treat them like the scumbags. There. That's why that thread that the Biden team did uh, from the White House, uh, just calling them all out was so effective also because these people are just liars. They lie, 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 lie. You got to the thread. Oh, yeah. Well, I, the threat is world famous at this point. I mean, it literally has you, you, a million. You presume, re- you presume million everybody retweets. will know the thread. Yeah, I, I actually do, because our Jordy. audience is very tuned in and everyone knows what I'm talking about. But the threat is the White House calling out the Republicans who took those PPP loans and got loan forgiveness on them, who were then calling out students for getting $10,000 worth of relief. That was the famous White House thread where they activated dark brand mode and went after it. And that's the kind of energy that the White House is moving ahead with right now. And it's a great sight to see. And, you know, once again, the reaction from the media and everybody is so out of touch because you see see like the whole framing after Joe Biden gave that speech was how dare Joe Biden call them semi-fascists? How dare he use that language? Isn't that divisive? Isn't that mean? And it's like, no, that's once again, that is calling out the facts. If anything, here's my criticism for Joe Biden there. Semi. You can just call him straight up fascist. You don't have to use the term semi. He was being nice. He was being generous, if anything. But to have the whole coverage, it reminded me of when when Biden came out during the beginning of the invasion of Ukraine. And he said, Vladimir Putin is a war criminal. And everybody went, oh, my God. Did you hear what Joe yeah, Biden the, the just said? Is, so dumb. is that is that what you really <laughs> call? It's like, dumb. yes. Vladimir Putin is a war criminal. That should not be a controversial take. So stop taking the side of fascist media. There's you, only you know one why side. He called him semi-fascist, though, Brett. And this is the kind of the brilliance. And it was intentionally used because 
they're not smart enough to even be fascist. Like the semi-fascist. It's like a subtle jab. This, the, yeah, the, they want to be fascist, but they're semi-fascist <laughs> they <laughs> because it's kind of fat. Yeah, because it's fascist cosplay, and yeah. they're just a bunch of fucking weirdos. Yeah, and that's why he calls them semi-fascist. I mean, I have no doubt that that was the thinking behind using those words. Like we call them fascist, then like they'll they'll view that like. They'll view that with pride. So we got to call them semi-fascists, like wannabes. They and, are something wannabes. I, and something I want to call attention to also is to look at what Biden is doing right now as well. Like there's a reason he brought up Marjorie Taylor Greene and called her what's her name. You know, there's a reason he's going after people like that. And it's because I think what Democrats want to show right now is that these people, these crazy people are the power center of the Republican Party. Yeah, they're so the mainstream you, Republican Party. Main, exactly, Jordy. So when, when you're going to vote in November, guess who you're voting for to put in power? You are voting for people like Marjorie Taylor Greene. Heck, even if you think that the congressperson who you are voting for in your district might not be as wild as Marjorie Taylor Greene, by putting that person in, you are putting Marjorie Taylor Greene in power. And I think mm -hmm. that needs to be understood as well, especially to these independent voters who are now turning overwhelmingly for the Democrats, especially due to the issue of abortion rights, which is really motivating people. So what does Marjorie Taylor Greene and all of her infinite wisdom do? She is asked about what are the top three things that you are seeing people interested in? What are the top three things that you are doing to get independent voters on your side? And let's play this clip. If you had to advise based on your traveling around, what are the three issues that the average American resonates with so that at least messaging wise, Republicans are able to nail it? What are the top three that create the greatest emotional reaction in your opinion? Well, I think that's traditional political thinking, the, the question that you asked. That's that's the way to go towards the independent voter to, to help swing or get grow more seats in the majority. And and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I think the top three are to go after those voters, but then I'm gonna push back and tell you why that's wrong. So not only does Marjorie Taylor Greene fail to name the top three things, which should have been like a very easy it was a very softball question. What is motivating voters right now? She then proceeds to somehow answer something that wasn't even asked, make the question, make the answer entirely worse and say, you know what? I think that's not even, you know, that's traditional political strategy. We shouldn't be trying to pursue independent voters. That is wrong. We don't want independent voters. That's her infinite wisdom. They just want to play to the radical MAGA base. And so, you know, I think that's an info. If you were to ask her, Brett, what she wants, I mean, her whole thing is, we need to, and this is the whole view of the Republicans. We need to turn America into a uh, Christian theocracy, that there is no separation of church and state. This is right. what they repeat over and over again, and that America needs to have uh, a Bible, a Christian Bible study, that, that 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 is what leads the government. Like if you go back and you look at what she and Boebert and that whole crew of Republicans want, that's it. And then if you ask them, well, how are you going to fix this issue? How are you going to fix that issue? If you watch any of these speeches, like Democrats are asked these questions all the time, right? If you if you watch even like a Bernie Sanders or a Senator Warren or whoever on these networks, Democrats are asked the questions and then they spend three to five minutes in responses and they pack in those three to five responses so much information about what they want to do to specifically address Healthcare costs and and making sure Medicare uh, is you know more affordable, like things like capping insulin. Like we go really into the weeds and what we can do to cap insulin prices, not just for Medicare recipients, but for Americans in general. And we can start with insulin, but then we can go to a host of other drugs. What could we do to make the Obamacare Affordable Health Care Act more uh, productive and efficient and work for more Americans? You know, how do we help? 
Um, how do we help soldiers who come back and they're exposed to toxic? Like we give very specific answers when you right. ask us those questions. But, but Ben, I was looking at, I was watching Fox last night and they were talking about the issues that all Americans care about, like holding FBI director, Chris Ray accountable and investigating yeah, Trump's the FBI Biden. Director. Yeah. Should they want Trump hired? Uh, yeah, investigating speak, Biden but- family corruption. One sec, I'm not done with the priorities, Jordy, that, that the Republicans are running on. They want to defund the FBI, investigating Fauci. These are the things that Fox News was saying that voters care about last night. So I don't know. I don't know. And Ben, to what you're saying, too, though, when Democrats go on these shows, not only do the Democrats actually have plans and then they're able to speak to it, but for whatever reason, and our listeners know this, we know this, there's a double standard with how these reporters are treating Democrats who give answers versus how they allow, for the most part, so true. Republicans to weasel out. Like 10 out of 10 times, a Democratic candidate, someone like a Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, their feet will be held to the fire if they don't answer the question very pointedly and very specifically. I'm telling everyone, please focus this weekend on watching any of your Sunday shows. Watch a Republican ask, get asked a question and watch how they weasel out of it without any sort of pushback. It's bizarre. It's really a good point, Trudy. Like a Democrat will go in and they'll like break down like the various sections within Medicare and they'll talk about, you know, certain Part B benefits and they'll like do like a deep dive. And they'll be like, but aren't you ignoring the fact that subsection C part two dash three says this? And then you'll have, (laughs) right. And then you'll have a Republican and they'll ask the question. They'll like, they'll be so, um, it seems that there's top secret sensitive compartmented information found at. Mar-a-Lago and uh, Trump's lawyers just went on and they said that he has the right to declassify everything with a magic wand. Uh, What do you think about that? And then the guest will just be like, well, yeah, he has a magic wand that former presidents use. Everyone knows about the magic wand. Like, oh, that's a good point with the magic wand. So moving on now to now moving on, (laughs) let's actually talk about the woke mob and the green M&M. This is what I also want our listeners and viewers to do. If you have a Republican in your family, and it's obviously totally fine if you do, but if you have someone who considers themselves a Republican, ask them to define what woke means. Please just ask them very point blank. Hey, to you, what does woke mean? Well, and it, and the fact that woke and like that's what energizes the radical right. Like the thing that Ted Cruz, like his main point, like let's focus on some of what their main points are. Like this idea that they've created in their mind of like, of like woke and this woke concept, they go, they, they, they rile, they go crazy at Brett. I'm, I'm going to make you tell a personal story. Now you don't have to name names here. Um, but I know that you were recently telling me about a conversation that you had with an old friend of yours who texted you a very urgent, what was on his mind politically. He's a, you know, far right guy who you used to be friends with and he wanted to tell <laughs> you. You're not saying the name, but you're giving so many specifics about this text. Uh, no, on, I think, I, I think it's I, fair. I mean, it's go go just go as specific Jordy as when Brett goes, everybody know the thread. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows the threat. I stand. Everyone by knows that. the thread. But go. But Ben, ben tell tell the story because I think it's really indicative of like this this right wing echo chamber, this bubble that they're in, and why they are just unable to connect with voters right now, and why we're in why we're primed to take advantage of this. So it's someone who I know, um, and someone who's went down the right wing rabbit hole, and occasionally will kind of send things in a group chat that I'm a part of, and I genuinely, I usually ignore it. And for this one, I just had to, I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. So <laughs> I had to, uh, I, I, I had are you, to, are you, pulling up, are you pulling up the text? 
Yeah, I'm 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 pulling up the <laughs> This I'm is real people. The, this is real. I'm, so I get this message from this friend and what, what was his name again? The friend. I like almost got friend, almost got you. Almost, almost got, got you. him. The, almost friend, got the, friend, <laughs> the friend is confidential. And then it's it's sending me someone's tweet, someone named Sydney Watts, and it goes, I feel bad for the citizens of They Hatton. And it re- and then it's t- uh, tweeting this thing about how Governor Hochul has signed a new law banning gendered language for professions. Cannot say salesman, councilman, he or her. It was replaced with they. Woke is now official in New York law. And then the person goes, is this shit true? And I was like, without doing any research, I can almost certainly say it's false. (laughs) (laughs) And so I go down the rabbit hole. I take the bait. Wait, wait, you did your own research? I, I go and I look at what what is even being talked about here. And so I look I look at whatever the and the, sure enough, this is what's energizing radical right extremists right now. And what happened is, is that in the real estate code, what the New York legislature, by the way, which was passed on a bipartisan basis, all Republicans and Democrats voted for because it wasn't a controversial concept. What they did was they just simply changed and updated some of the definition sections of the law. So whereas it used to say salesmen or like councilmen, but here it's real estate. So it was like salesmen. They simply changed the definition. So it just says salesperson. There's no law banning people from saying salesmen. If you go say, oh, the salesman, they're not going to go, you're under arrest. There's not against the law. <laughs> they simply have updated definitions. They're making their that best piece of the government code just more inclusive and to try was- to make it a more <laughs> inclusive language. And just to update the definition sections like that's literally it. it yeah, they're the most their- fragile snowflakes on the planet that that bothers them. I mean, these people are just weak, right? They're weak willed. They're weak people. And that's and that's really what it was. And so then I asked, I said, is there a government presently or in history that you can point to that you think met the standards that you would like to see as an example? Or is your whole concept just the idea of a government in and of itself something that you don't like? And then the response I get was the US government pre 14th Amendment oh. came pretty close. And Ben, for our listeners, what's the 14th Amendment? The 14th Amendment states that no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of the citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property uh, with uh, outdue process. The Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's where it all went wrong when people started getting equal, equal protection under the law. Got it. I mean... So that's how the conversation devolved. But this is what they're saying in the right wing effort. That's what's that's what's energizing them. You know, these issues. Well, we're trying to deliver for the people. That's those are the issues. But again, I think that and and then just going back really quick to to our earlier conversation. I mean, I think that's a smaller subset. I think that subsection continues to get smaller and smaller. Yes. And people are waking up. And that's, again, just just to say what we started this podcast with. People are loving the stability over the stupidity. Because Jordy, like finally, you, you go and you look at, you know, and and we, I want to bring in our guest, Attorney General Josh Shapiro, who yes. actually held held up and fought for election, true election integrity 
fought for a free and fair election against the efforts by the radical right extremists to overturn our free elections. Um, he's one of the greatest fighters in that when we needed it the most. You just have Trump today basically saying this is what he writes on his failing social media company where he doesn't even have the trademark to it. The, the social media company, by the way, Trump failed to secure the trademark to his social media company. Right. The Pat, U.S. Patent and Trademark Office denied it. He owes his vendors money. He hasn't paid his hosting service one point eight million dollars. And it's under like there two separate federal investigations. But are you criminal, saying Trump hasn't paid his employees? For, for, for criminal conduct? Well, it has it has the Trump trifecta, right? Like incompetence, failing to pay and criminality all in one. Like he can't do anything without those three things right away. It's, it's, it's like on a, it's on a speed run, too. Like this is a very quick. He can't, uh, we can't do anything normal. You create a social media company criminal incompetent and you're not paying your bills boom all in one and this is what he says on his platform he goes um when are the great agents and others in the fbi going to say we're not going to take it anymore and then he says that we need to the end result we won in 2016 and did much better but now the left has lost their minds he says the 2020 election this is another one was irreparably compromised and we need to hold a new election immediately yeah. A new election immediately. I mean, this guy's out of his mind. Nice. He retweeted Lindsey Graham calling for riots here. Just play this crazy Lindsey clip Graham clip. Lindsey Graham. So just to give you the context, right? After after the radical right extremists, you know, all of their lies about the search got exposed. First, they said, oh, the documents were planted at Mar-a-Lago. Then with the magic wand, Trump can declassify everything and then defund the FBI, repeal the Espionage Act. The Presidential Records Act has no criminal penalties. When all of those things were proven to be just stupid and utterly false, now they're just like, you know what? Burn it all if down. If you indict them, burn it down. They're going to be right. Burn it to the ground. Play this clip of Lindsey Graham. If there's a prosecution of Donald Trump for mishandling classified information, after the Clinton debacle, which you presided over and did a hell of a good job, there'll be riots in the streets. And yeah, so that's violence. That's uh, just calling for violence, calling for riots. And this is the party that was supposedly the party of law and order that claimed that Democrats are rioters and whatnot. You have one of the highest ranking politicians in the Republican Party, somebody who's on the Senate Judiciary Committee, who leads the Senate Judiciary Committee for the Republicans, calling for riots in the streets if Donald Trump is prosecuted for his crimes law rather than defend law the Constitution. Order. And you have Trump calling for an immediate uh, new election or to be <laughs> reinstated and talk about let's bring in josh shapiro a lot more to talk about after after josh a lot more to talk about but let's bring in josh shapiro we got to talk to him about this and much more let's get the attorney general of pennsylvania here on the show all right and let's bring in the attorney general of the commonwealth of pennsylvania the democratic candidate for governor josh shapiro attorney general shapiro welcome to the midas touch podcast Yo, guys, good to be back with all of you, including Jordy. Um, <laughs> Let's go. And so for those who who don't know or have been living under a rock, you played Jordy in a basketball game. What was your interpretation of the results there, Attorney General? Well, OK, um, the way I remember it is that I crushed him. The way it actually <laughs> went down. No, no, no. We played two games. We played a game of Gov, which is like pig, and I did beat him in that. Yeah, uh, and then we I played, tripped. we played one on one, and I would have won, except oh, always a but. Except 
he was a ringer from three, but <laughs> what he did, what he did was each three-pointer counted as two and every other basket only counted as one. So in effect, it was like a four-pointer each time. If you look at it that way, so I yeah, I'm not sure I should have agreed to those rules. Um, so I so now that we're just we're starting off the podcast hot, uh, I'm yeah. not gonna say I let you win, Gov, but uh, I'm not, oh. not gonna say that. <laughs> and I'm actually gonna even throw down a, another gauntlet here and go as far as to say if uh things shape up as they're 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 looking, and not to put any jinxes or anything like that, but I know there's this governor's mansion in Philly. We could always do a rematch. And you know what? We could ante up the stakes a little bit, too. It could be me and you (laughs) versus another two. And I'm thinking me and you versus Little Dicky and Meek Mill. Oh, I love that. Meek's pretty good. I don't know about Little Dicky, but. Oh, he could hoop. He could hoop. Oh, can he? Yeah. Is he a Pennsylvania guy? Oh, he's He's a Philly guy. He he grew up just down the, you know, down the road from where I live now. But, uh, man, I would love that. And, And in all seriousness. You guys are just great. And the way we did that to raise money for charity, um, the fact that you all came out to Pittsburgh, which was great. Um, I, I just thought it was it was a ton of fun. And the students in Pitt loved it. And in fact, many of them are now the core of our group of students for Shapiro Pitt. So in all seriousness, all candor, thank you for, for doing that. Um, the fact that I could hold my own against a dude 20 years younger than me, <laughs> me a little bit of today, I thought it was great. And, and let's talk about the governor's race. You know, uh, your opponent, Doug Mastriano, a radical extremist. The other day, photos emerged of him wearing a uh, Confederate uniform, which is kind of fairly par for the course there. Uh, what, what's your response generally there, though, to the Confederate uniform scandal that's yeah. emerged? But it's one in a in, in a litany of things that are coming out about this extremist. Yeah. And look, I hate to get serious on your podcast because I. I always enjoy coming on because you guys are fun and you keep it light, but this is not something to keep light about. I mean, look, Mm. first off, um, let's just go over the facts. Uh, Doug Mastriano, the Republican nominee for governor, a state senator who represents Gettysburg uh, on the grounds of the U.S. Army War College, not that long ago, in 2014, decided to dress up in a Confederate uniform and be photographed there. Um, That photo was hung on the wall of the U.S. Army War College until they discovered it recently and took it down because, as the U.S. Army War College says, it doesn't reflect their values or the values of the U.S. military. If you think about this for a minute, the Republican nominee for governor wore the uniform of the traitors, wore the uniform of those who were fighting to defend slavery. That's what he chose to do. And this is, you know, I think the reaction I've gotten from Pennsylvanians over the weekend since this story came out is they all kind of say, like, we're not shocked. And and I think the reason why they're not shocked is not because it's not shocking and horrific what he did, but because this is the same guy who's the only one in the country who's out recruiting supporters to his campaign on a white supremacist website known as Gab, the same Mm -hmm. website used Mm -hmm. by the Tree of Life killer, the person who murdered 11 warshippers at the synagogue in Pittsburgh a couple of years ago. This is the same guy who went and tried to storm the Capitol on January 6th to stop Pennsylvania's votes from being counted. This is the guy who's got the most extreme stance on abortion in the entire country, wanting to ban abortion with no exceptions and jail doctors who perform them. I mean, this is what we're up against. He has told us time and time again, 
He's dangerous and extreme. Um, and the thing is, I think Pennsylvanians are now tuning into that, recognizing that. Mm-hmm. And the final thing I'll say on this, and guys, I'm sorry to go on and on, but I, but I do think it's an important point. He fundamentally believes that certain people shouldn't exist in our commonwealth, right? I mean, like he fundamentally believes that. And my view is no matter what you look like or where you come from, who you love, who you pray to, you belong here in Pennsylvania. And I want to be a governor for all folks. Uh, that's not the way he views life. And that's certainly not the way he views the role of governor in Pennsylvania. One of the things you mentioned, too, is his extreme stance on reproductive rights and yeah. the idea that he wants the government to go and get involved in that decision making and stop it and to ban it in all cases, total, absolute abortion ban, regardless of circumstances. And what we're seeing, I think, as some of these in these primary races and special elections and over and over again in the pollings, reproductive rights is on the ballot. Um, and that is an energizing force um, as these rights are being taken away from women. What are you seeing in Pennsylvania? And can you talk about the differences in your campaign versus Doug Mastriano's? Sure. I mean, look, just first on the policy, it's clear he wants to ban abortion. I'll protect abortion rights. Our legislature, because they're run by Republicans, they're going to put a bill on the desk of the next governor to ban abortion. He'll sign it into law. I'll veto it. So the contrast could not be clearer. I will trust women in Pennsylvania to make decisions over their own bodies. And this is not new to me. This is the way um, I have viewed this issue for my 20 years in public service. It's the way I've always voted. It's the way I've always campaigned and what I've always believed. Um, I got to just say, like, as, as a dad, right? I mean, I'm y- y'all have met Sophie, our daughter, our 20-year-old daughter. The idea as a father uh, of a, you know, to, as a girl dad, the idea that our daughter has fewer rights today than the world Lori and I brought her into um, 20 years ago is very, very upsetting. And I think that visceral feeling of being upset and angry has permeated the electorate, by the way, of all parties, Democrats, Republicans, independents. I was out in rural communities across Pennsylvania and say places where Democrats typically lose 80, 20, 90, 10. And I was showing up, we were getting huge crowds, incredible intensity, Republicans and Democrats. And people of both parties were coming over to me saying, I can't believe they tried to take away our right I'm voting for you. In some cases, they said, you're the first time I, this will be the first time I've ever voted for a Democrat. I'm voting for you because you're the only one out there who's standing up and defending my rights. And I'm scared about what other rights they might take away. So I think this issue has permeated the electorate, both parties. Um, And I know you guys probably look at the polling and this and that. The polling bears that out. I'm just telling you from being on the ground here in Pennsylvania, I feel that every day. I feel it as the attorney general, I feel it as Democratic nominee for governor of Pennsylvania, and I feel it as a dad too. And so every day, this issue is top of mind for folks. This November is Rovember. Midas Touch just released its brand new collection of Rovember t-shirts and pins to let the country know what's at stake this upcoming midterm election. These radical right Republicans have no clue what they've just unleashed. Go to store.midastouch.com to grab yours. That's store.midastouch.com. The Midas Touch Rovember collection is also USA Union made. Get yours at store.midastouch.com while supplies last. Thank you. It seems like Doug Mastriano and these other radical extremist candidates, their focus, whether it is reproductive rights of women or just rights in general, they're running on taking away 
the rights of people and bragging about how they're going to go after the LGBTQ plus community yeah. next and whoever it is. And and I mean, can you speak to Doug Mastriano's record on just some of these other issues and some of the other differences that exist of like just how dangerous it would be if you if this person was anywhere near the governor's mansion? Yeah, I mean, look, he has said climate change is, quote, fake science. Those are his words. He has said in his words, not all religions are created equal. And as you know, avowed to to sort of, I don't know what the right way to say this is, sort of set aside Islam here in Pennsylvania. He has um, stood up and said that he supports quote traditional marriage. Well, for me, traditional marriage is you love the other person, you want to commit your life to them, um, then you should be able to marry them. That's the law of the land. He wants to undo marriage equality in Pennsylvania. And yeah, I'll tell you, I think there's something deeper here. Um, Am I allowed to say shit on your podcast? Oh, you can go off. Please, okay. encouraged. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, this guy is full of shit when it comes to freedom. He, you know, he and some of these others across the country, they love to talk a good game about freedom, right? You see them, you know, uh, uh, for freedom, I'm for freedom. Well, you know, let me tell you something. It's not freedom to tell women what they're allowed to do with their bodies. It's not freedom to say you're allowed to worship, but only in the church of my choosing. It's not freedom to say, I'm going to tell your kids what books they're allowed to read. And it sure as hell isn't freedom to say, yeah, you can go vote, but I'm going to pick the winner. I'm going to use my power to pick the winner, which is what he said he'll do. That's not freedom. And so this sort of idea that the other party gets to you know, corner freedom and it's somehow theirs, that's bullshit. And I think the people who listen and watch this podcast every day are freedom loving because we believe in respecting all people. We believe in making sure people get to govern their own bodies. We believe that people should worship the God they want or not worship at all. We believe you should be able to marry who you love. That's real freedom. And that is on the ballot right now in Pennsylvania. And we should take a backseat to no one when it comes to standing up and defending freedom. We're the people out front standing up for and defending freedom. Well said. Um, I, I think that's spot on. And, you know, when you look at the candidates right now, it's it's clear that the Democrats are the pro-freedom, pro-democracy party. And you just have Republicans, like we've been saying, just trying to take away our rights, taking away our freedom and people on all sides. I mean, you have Republicans pushing out people from their own side, you know, calling them rhinos yeah. if they disagree. You have independents flocking to Democrats in larger numbers than ever. And I think you see like you have Republicans now running on like your opponent overturn the 2020 election. You have them running on trying to lock up Dr. Fauci. You have them running on wanting to defund law enforcement agencies. But what right. are the actual things that in addition to abortion rights, like we discussed before, what are the actual things that you are hearing from voters on the ground about what they truly care about? Well, Brett, by the way, what you just said in, in your lead up in that question is why so many Republicans are endorsing me. Republican office holders, you know, your your regular Republicans living in the community. Um, we announced, I think it was nine or 10 prominent Republicans uh, just a couple of weeks ago endorsed our campaign. Just today, the former general counsel to our former Republican governor here in Pennsylvania and the associate general counsel to former President Trump endorsed my campaign. Wow. Uh, people like Michael Chertoff, the Homeland Security Secretary under George Bush showed up at an event the other day just to say he's for me because I care about democracy. And the list goes on and on. We'll have lots more Republicans come out and 
endorse us. But you know, the, the point here is that we're building a big, broad coalition around the issues people care a lot about. So now to your question, they care a lot about their rights and freedoms being defended. They want to know that we're going to invest in their kids' education, not just put more money into schools, but making smart decisions like doing away with standardized testing and putting in its place Votech for our kids to be able to learn a trade going forward, making sure we've got um, a, a mental health counselor in every school, investing in law enforcement to ensure that our communities are safe, growing our economy by growing our workforce, investing in things like workforce development, for example, and pardon me, apprenticeship programs, for example. And so these are the kind of things I hear about every day when I'm on the trail, rights, education, public safety, grow the economy. And that's what we're focused on every day. And that's why so many Republicans, along with Democrats and independents, are joining our campaign. And while you're building this big tent, your opponent is actively pushing people out. And this is an extreme example, but he is an extreme guy. And I want to get your thoughts on this. As we were talking about earlier, Doug Mastriano is well connected to that gab, that that white supremacist social media platform that has ties to neo-Nazis. And he's been advised by the creator of Gab, who says that Jews should not be allowed in the Republican Party. How serious should Pennsylvanians be taking that sort of threat, that sort of viewpoint that that this candidate has? Well, we have to take it seriously. You got to take him at face value. This is what he believes. Uh, he is someone who is actively recruiting white supremacists, racists, anti-Semites to be part of his campaign. The only candidate in the entire country paying to recruit those people. Think about that for a minute. I mean, haven't we learned through our politics when they tell you what they're going to do, when they tell you what they're all about, we should believe them. Yep. And so on this, we should believe him that he believes certain folks based on who they worship and what they look like don't belong in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. He's just, made that clear. I'm sorry, Brett, were you going to say something? I, no, I was just going to say it's like it's beyond disbelief when you even see things like that. It just right. it makes my heart sink and it's just so against everything America stands for. I mean, with, with all these extremist comments that you see, um, I'm, I'm going to ask you something. And, and President Biden recently criticized the far right, these MAGA Republicans as being semi-fascist. And you've seen some other governors use that term. You've seen Charlie Crist calling Ron DeSantis fascist. Could I get you to use the F word here? I want talking about your opponent and what these MAGA Republicans, these far right Republicans stand for. Yeah. I mean, I, I've heard those labels. I'm not sort of a, a, a label guy or a name calling guy. What I am is a guy that just tries to point out the truth. And the truth is, he believes that if you're gay, you don't belong here. He believes that if you're um, Muslim, you don't belong here. He believes that if you're a Jew, you should convert. He believes that, um, as I said before, climate change is fake science. And he also believes that if you voted in the 2020 election, your vote shouldn't count, right? I mean, so think about that. He's trying to strip away everybody's voice in our democracy. But yet he's the nominee of the Republican Party in the swingiest of swing states in the nation. So you got to take these folks seriously. And it's not just enough to say, oh, they're crazy. They're out there. No, this is who they are. This is what has overtaken the leadership of the Republican Party. And by the way, Democrats aren't the only ones offended by that. So are Republicans and independents. Yeah, absolutely. As well. That's why they're joining our campaign. And, and I think many of them long for the day where we had two healthy parties kind of battling it out on the ideas that we should be fighting about, right? On whatever, taxes or 
foreign policy or whatever the case may be. We got to get back to those healthy fights. But in order to do that, we have to defeat this dangerous extremism. I, I, I cannot agree more. And and to that point, your opponent was recently on a radio show and he called it disgusting. That was his words. Disgusting that you, Josh Sapiro, are taking steps to end the barbaric practice of LGBTQ conversion therapy. What are your thoughts to that? Well, again, it just shows how this is a guy who is the uh, Republican nominee who feels that for him to be successful... He's got to bully trans kids and he's got to go out and attack the LGBTQ community. That is not who we are as Pennsylvanians. Mm -hmm. That is not our values. Go back and look at what the U.S. Army War College said about him wearing a Confederate uniform. He said that doesn't that doesn't reflect our values. I think more and more Pennsylvanians are waking up every single day to the fact that this is a guy who is out of step with our values here in Pennsylvania. A.G. Shapiro, uh, what, what I really want our listeners to know here, uh, you know, I live in Pittsburgh. I've lived here two and a half going on three years. I visited on and off uh, the last eight and a half, 10 years uh, with my fiance, my now wife. Um, and what I, what I want our listeners to really understand is that you're a genuine person. I don't even want to call you a politician. You are a genuine person. And I think one of the first uh, times we had you on the podcast, uh, you said, look, guys, I am a father first and then a politician second. Yeah. And I think that resonates so well with the people here. Like just the authenticity of you as a person is what I think is attracting all of these, you know, Republicans coming over and endorsing you and all these Democrats who, who see it right away saying, oh, my God, this is the guy that's going to stand up for my values. This is the guy that's going to stand up for my family. So I just want to commend you for that. And I just wanted to give that that quick anecdote here as someone who's on the ground every day seeing the Shapiro signs. Uh, all plastered all over county to county. And I'm just so excited for the vote. And I'm so excited for you to be the next governor of this Commonwealth. Jordy, thanks, man. That that means a lot to me. And I try to keep it real. And you know, I'm surrounded by um, the same woman I've been with since the ninth grade. She keeps it real. And um, but we didn't get married in the ninth grade, though. But we've been together. <laughs> um, our four kids and and I must say, like, they don't get enough credit. I'm surrounded by a great team, both in the attorney general's office and here on the campaign. Yeah. Folks who have been with me for years and years and years who keep it real and who who tell me straight up, you know, when I screw up uh, or when we do something good, you know, we, we don't go around just patting each other on the back. We try and keep it real and we try and always remember the purpose in our work, which is to fight for the good people of Pennsylvania and make their lives a little bit better. So thanks, man. I appreciate the kind words. Uh, of course. And, I, and I'm not done yet. Uh, I want to talk about your team. You, you, your team is phenomenal. You, I, I'm not, And again, not just saying this, the way you've used social media to your benefit to engage that younger vote out here in Pennsylvania and really get your pro-democracy message across throughout the entire country has been something that's been so amazing and missing in this country. It's something that I think we pride ourselves with Midas Touch, how we're able to get our messages out via TikTok or Instagram or Facebook or YouTube. Thank you. Well, we, we have a lot of great folks working for us. And by the way, not everybody working on our campaign has a political background, which I think has actually served us really well that we've got a big, a big broad group. Um, so we we got some folks who, you know, probably had a drink or two at the bar at Old Epic Grill in D.C., but then we also got a few folks who have never been involved in politics. And I think that works really well um, for our campaign. And we're 
our theory is you just got to meet people where they are. And if they're online, they're in their communities, they're at their doors, we want to meet you where you are. And we want to have a conversation with you about how we can make your life a little bit better here in Pennsylvania. And I think you also just recently launched an app. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, man, I have an app. How about that? That's uh, awesome. fancy. That's fancy. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. No one is doing this shit. This is innovative shit. It's right very here. cool. If you go to the Apple store and, and just search for who kicked Jordy's ass in basketball, you'll see my app. It, pop that up. comes up. You have that as a tag. And that's, that's a good. tag. Yeah, it's that's a good. It, yeah. But no, no, no. Grab the app <laughs> in the Google Play store or the app store. But the, the point of the app, it's not just to like throw a bunch of press releases at you about stuff we've done, but actually it's all about engagement, how you can get engaged in your community from getting a free lawn sign to put on your lawn, uh, to knocking on doors, to sending texts, to getting involved in students for Shapiro, whatever the case may be, it's an action-based app. And so we're really excited to have it. And even if you're not from Pennsylvania, you can still download it and you can still help us out from wherever you are. I love it. I love it. Um, and then just to get onto a more serious note here before Ben yeah. and, and Brett kick me off the podcast for good. Uh, no, but seriously, uh, Mastriano was in my neck of the woods not too long ago. Uh, and Ron DeSantis actually flew down over here uh, to help promote his campaign, if you will. What does that say to you that a guy like Ron DeSantis coming to the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania to come in to do Pittsburgh uh, to help Mastriano's campaign? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it probably says more about Ron DeSantis' desperate attempt to, you know, court the extreme than it says about my opponent. Um, but listen, I mean, I think a lot of people look at what Ron DeSantis has brought to Florida is just total chaos, right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't think we want that kind of chaos. L look, we, we have heard from CEOs in Pennsylvania who have said, if Doug Mastriano is governor and bans abortion, and tries to ban marriage equality, they're going to take their jobs out of the Commonwealth. Right. It's just going to bring a level of chaos into Pennsylvania. And, you know, there you got Ron DeSantis. Pardon me. You got Mastriano saying, I want to be a governor like DeSantis. I think what that means is I'm going to bring more chaos into uh, the Commonwealth. And I don't think that's what anybody wants. I think folks want calm. They want government to work. They want it to be bipartisan. And you know what, guys? They want their leaders to get shit done, not to attack them. And that is what I bring to the table. I've got a, a lot of experience in getting things done and bringing people together to make progress. So before you came on, Josh, I told Jordy, I said, we should do a shirt saying, get <laughs> I was about to say the same thing. I said, I told Jordy, I said, we need literally right before you went on. I said, Jordy, we should do a shirt, get shit done. You know what Jordy said? And this just goes to speak to, you know, Jordy and his basketball skills as well. Jordy goes, I think that that is not a good idea for a t-shirt, but and Jordy just valid. You didn't even know Josh and I didn't coordinate that. We did not. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, you and Josh are in a first name, but you and the attorney general in a first name. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, attorney general be Shapiro, before we, before we go and we have guests on, you know, you know, like you with all of your accomplishments, we just want to, you know, a lot of times in these interviews get asked all the same questions. You know, is there any question that we haven't asked or that you haven't gotten asked that you just want to say, here's something that I really wanted to speak to Pennsylvanians about that I, I think is being not spoken about enough? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think you guys ask good questions and you keep it light, which I appreciate. Um, you know, we didn't talk about democracy. And that's something that's on my mind a lot uh, as I travel across Pennsylvania. You know, this is the birthplace of our democracy. And I think Pennsylvanians have a unique responsibility to defend it, to make sure that it continues. 
Um, we're 246 years into this great experiment. And for 246 years, when you look at the story, the arc of our democracy, the chapters that have been written, many of them have taken on, many of these chapters have taken on a similar theme. We, we take a couple steps forward, then we get knocked back a little bit. But each chapter ends with us making forward progress, with forward momentum, with progress. We're in the midst of writing a chapter right now in year 246 where we've gotten knocked back. For the first time, the Supreme Court of the United States has taken away a right from people. We find ourselves in a position where our politics are really frayed and there's divisions and there's all kinds of political violence that's making its way into the conversation. And I know a lot of people are kind of wondering right now how this next chapter is going to end. Is it going to end with us getting knocked back a step, or is it going to end like every other chapter in the American democracy with us making forward progress? And despite all the negativity, despite the extremism on the other side, I, I am very, very hopeful right now. And that's because I bet on the people of Pennsylvania and the American people to write this next chapter of forward progress, to reject this extremism and to help us move forward. And if you look at the themes in every chapter in our democracy. The stories are written not by people with titles next to their names, but by ordinary Americans rising up, demanding more, wanting change, and not accepting anything other than forward progress. And I think these midterms, especially this race for governor in Pennsylvania, is going to define how this next chapter in our democracy ends. I am hopeful and I'm optimistic it's going to end with us making forward progress. But right now, it's in the hands of the good people of Pennsylvania over these next 71 days and, and people of the United States of America to ensure that it continues. And I'm grateful to be on the ballot. I'm grateful to be the Democratic nominee for governor of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And, you know, I'm also mindful that while my name is on the ballot, it's, it's your rights and your future that's on the line. And the next chapter in our democracy is being written. And I think all of us, especially those who are listening to this podcast today, are going to look back on November 9th, the day after the election. Uh, and have to answer the question, what did we do to write that next chapter? And that is what's on the line right now. And that's what I want folks who are listening and watching your pod to think about. 71 days until Election Day. Attorney General Josh Shapiro, Democratic nominee for governor of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for joining us on the Midas Touch podcast. Thank you for Thanks, your guys. friendship. Thank you for fighting for the people. You got it. Great to be with you guys. Appreciate you. Guys, great having Josh Shapiro on the podcast. And Jordy, I think you said it best when you were just telling, you know, Josh. I mean, and Josh said it too. This isn't a these are partisan issues anymore. No. These are just issues about fighting for the rights of American people and all of these issues. And this is what we started saying when we got involved in politics in 2020 when we were not political people. I was like, wait a minute. These are political issues now that Republicans want to like uh, lock up the head of the uh, the head of our health response to a global pandemic. That's that's that makes you a Republican. And for me to say, hey, don't lock him up, that that makes me a, a Democrat. Radi okay, I guess radical I'm a lefty. Very, <laughs> you guess, radical. Uh, that's How a radical. You? But you know what, Ben, like they just keep I, I love that the attorney general 
stated how important the idea of democracy was in this campaign, how important democracy is in this country, because all you see right now from the right, from these radical Republicans, is they're pushing away everybody who believes in democracy. And that includes the Republicans on their side. That includes independents. They don't even want their support. I mean, like we said earlier, Marjorie Taylor Greene says we don't want to go after independence. They just want to be an authoritarian fascist party. And that's indicative of Donald Trump's statements that we saw today, where he even said, you know, reinstate me as president immediately what we were talking about before we bought brought josh lunacy on. just you know, like, just, like just, lunacy. It's, it's pure lunacy and if they want to run on reinstate donald trump the 2020 election fauci the fun fbi please do that and we will continue to fight for the american people and what actually matters and the fact that the media acts like oh well the Republicans are these positions. The Democrats are those positions. And I go, these Republican positions are extreme fascist, crazy, wild, anti-American positions. Before we go, I also want to talk about the issues relating to the search warrant just very, very briefly. Right. And to put this just in full context, there's a magistrate judge out of the Southern District of Florida. A magistrate judge is different than an Article three federal judge. Article three federal judges appoint magistrates, but it's the role of the magistrate to do things like sign off on search warrants. And that's what the magistrate judge Reinhardt did on August 5th. The search warrant was executed on August 8th. Right. For all the whining and complaining that Trump and his radical right extremists who go on Fox News do for all of the whining, they filed no documents before Judge Reinhardt. The most simple, basic move that you would do as a lawyer, literally 101, would be the moment a search was taking place place, right? If you thought something wrong was happening, what do you do? You go to Judge Reinhardt, the magistrate, and you file something immediately. That's what you do. You say, my rights are being violated. Here's how. Here's why. You do a declaration and you put the facts forward. That's not what Trump did. Instead, they filed a whole nother lawsuit before an Article three federal judge in the Southern District of Florida. And they wrote this made up motion for judicial oversight. They actually drew. There's a lot of Trump appointed judges now. So the judge they drew because it's supposed to be random, but um, they drew a judge who is a Trump appointed judge from 2020, Judge Eileen Cannon. And they wrote this made up motion for judicial oversight. They asked Judge Cannon. Can you appoint a special master? And all a special master is, is just an independent person to review records and, and review documents. So when people talk about what's a special master, that's what it is. The judge didn't even really know what they filed when they filed the first one on like August 22nd, asked that they file a supplemental brief. So Trump filed the supplemental brief on August 26th. I read it and it still was a very it's an emotion that didn't make any sense. There's no declarations. There's no affidavits, like nothing under penalty of perjury. There's nothing that emotion would normally be accompanied by when you're asking for relief. It's just like a letter to the judge. Dear judge, can you give me this? That's not the way our federal system works. Our federal court system, we have to file motions. There's like steps That's and procedures. ridiculous Hail Mary, like bullshit. But in any event, what I was always saying is, even if the special master, if a judge considers a special master, the government's already looked at all of the documents. You filed this thing three weeks after. Now we're, we're four weeks after the the warrant is August 8th. We're, we're August 29th right now when we're recording this podcast and this judge kind of showing that the judge doesn't really even understand the law. She's one of these young appointees that Trump appointed. She was uh, not even a partner at her law firm. Um, and she was appointed by Trump in 2020, a member of the federal side, a few years older than me, was never a partner at the law firm. And her order basically said over the weekend 
um, that she would consider appointing a special master. And so she asked uh, the federal government to respond by August 30th and that she would hold a hearing on September 1st. Now, the federal government wasn't even served with whatever Trump's motion is. So the fact that the judge is asking a party that didn't even get service, like, you know, the movies or the or you see it on TV, there's a process server, like there's steps you have to take to file. I've seen the Pineapple government- Express. I know. I know. How it works. <laughs> the, the government <laughs> so didn't stupid. even take That's the steps the to file. It. But, my mind. but so she goes, well, I would You've be considering been, appointing a special master. And so what the government do as of this recording earlier in the morning, the government filed a document and they basically said, judge, Guess what? We're happy to respond more fully to you, but we've looked through all of these documents already. The documents are now with the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, ODNI. They're looking to see how much of our nation's secrets have been compromised. And in terms of issues of privilege, the small group of potentially privileged documents, guess where that set out what we were going to do in the freaking search warrant before <laughs> Judge Reinhardt, right. where we listed the procedures. There was going to be a filter team that looked at it and they're done with their work already. So we'll file something, Judge, but we're done looking at these documents. So we're not really sure the utility of what a search warrant, what a special master with the search warrant would even do here. But the fact that the judge would even consider a special master, these are top secret sensitive compartmented yeah. information. You have to have the highest level of clearance to look at it. To even look at them. To even, to even have look the at them in Trump's yeah. thought. Anyway, I wanted to give everybody that update though right there. And then what was Lindsey Graham's? response to all of this which is going on as all of their lies have been debunked their basic response is always there's going to be a riot there's going to be a riot these are the least law and order people that there is you know you think about the doug mastrianos you think about Kerry lake you think about what they're talking about lesbian dance theory big dick energy you have don trump jr his response to the search warrant being redacted his response he does a redaction over his dad's genitals in a photo. That normal he family stuff. And he normal goes, father some things. Normal father stuff. And he goes, redact this. That's his response to the FBI. I mean, and, and these are the leaders of the Republican Party. I mean, strange, strange stuff. And then the Republican Party goes, you need to not redact the affidavit. Unredact everything. Okay. Well, we unredact the part of Cash Patel's name because Cash Patel, what Trump's lackey, has been on TV talking about what he did. <laughs> Can we play this clip, the side-by-side? Yeah, of- play this clip before we sign it. Yeah, play this clip. Now they're trying to h- hide behind this magistrate judge who is going to supposedly play this game of redactions. We saw it in Russiagate. And when I was a deputy DNI, we lifted all those redactions from the Russiagate docs. And what do we see, Mark? Corruption. FBI and DOJ corruption and breaking of the law. And then DOJ left Castro's name unredacted, thereby endangering a witness and they wonder why people think there's a double standard all right i mean if that doesn't show you that they're just scrambling for a legal theory uh, you know i'm not one to normally comment on looks but like i i feel like the word pinhead was named after uh trey gowdy here like he's just the strangest looking man on the planet you have cash patel who always has his eyes bulging out of his head like he like you cannot find a frame of cash patel in which he does not look guilty of something is is the way his facial impression always is but you have his legal team just scrambling now 
we have all these reports of Donald Trump's inner circle just freaking out about what's going to come next. Uh, I think Trump knows that his back's against the wall, that he's in a lot of trouble here. And so his last resort and the last resort of these MAGA Republicans is lash out, burn it all down, call for riots, call for an insurrection in the country, call for an insurrection within the FBI, try to get an uprising within the FBI and the lower ranks of the FBI against the higher ranks of the FBI. It's really despicable. You know what you say, Brett, as you say it, it literally follows the exact same pattern as January 6th. To a T, Ben. And you know what? Like you could even swap out the characters, right? We were speaking about, uh, I don't think it was on this podcast, but I think it was on one of our YouTube hits, uh, Jenna Ellis, the lawyer most famous for being farted on by Rudy Giuliani and, and getting COVID. We uh, replaced those horrific lawyers that Trump had then yep. with now the new cast of characters of the Christina Bob and the Alina Haba and the like. It's it's the same exact thing with different characters. It's like a reboot of season one of the yeah. Season two of the this is season two of the insurrection featuring Alina Hobb in the role of yeah, Jenna so, Ellis. But the, but the difference, everybody, Donald Trump is not president of the United yep. States. President Biden is president of the United States. Merrick Garland is the attorney general of the United States. And justice is coming, folks. I know it's going slow for a lot of you, but you see the wheels turning. Justice is coming. And that's why you are seeing these MAGA Republican politicians lashing out the way they are. Couldn't say it better. Jordy, tell us about the YouTube site. Look, this is what I want to say to our listeners and our watchers right now. And honestly, I'm not even asking you anymore. I'm telling you, look, we are unapologetically pro-democracy. We need you, Midas Touch, Midas Mighty. We need you. If you are a YouTube watcher, subscribe to the podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, that's where you could get the Midas Touch podcast. If you are an audio listener... Subscribe to the YouTube channel, the Midas Touch channel on YouTube. All we want to do is give you all the facts as they land because we genuinely care about our democracy as much as you do. So please subscribe. Everybody, we appreciate your support. Let's keep fighting together. Jordy, take us out. Shout out to the Midas Mighty. Midas Touch is unapologetically pro-democracy. And look, we know you are too. So please make sure you check out our best-selling shirt and our best-selling gear, the unapologetically pro-democracy gear. And hey, while you're at it, make sure you check out my favorite shirt and one of our most famous designs. It wasn't rigged, you're just a loser. At store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com.